Yeah, get that air moving! Freeze him out like he's Frosty the goddamn snowman! Charlie Happiness, asshole! Everybody, welcome to Generation Lost, the show about movies with Bryn and Jeremy. That doesn't take itself too seriously. Not too uh, seriously. Week, not this too week. We're taking fucking... ourselves a little seriously. <laughs> it is the <laughs> third week uh, of Animation Anthologies Month, as deemed to us by the Dark Council. Uh, if you don't know what the Dark Council is, you can go to patreon.com slash generation loss and find out. But it is for people who rule us at the moment. Mm-hmm. And they are choosing what movies we are watching. They make little decisions um, about, you know, what kind of what kind of <laughs> life we're gonna live for the month ahead. Yeah, what kind of what what we are forced to see. Uh I have a feeling that Jeremy has a little bit of anger maybe towards them this month. Uh, for reasons we'll get into. Um, mm. Otherwise, I think they've been doing a pretty good job. Yeah, I, I actually I'm not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, it's been a good time, but we're not going to talk about that right now. Right now, we're going to talk about what else we watched this week. And Jeremy, do you want to go first? Sure, I'd love to, Brian. All right, then I'll ask. <laughs> what did you watch this week? Thank you for asking. You're welcome. Bryn, first and foremost, I'd like to give an update on the Peacock original series, (laughs) (laughs) Poker Face. Really? It's Uh, good. So last week I said it was pretty good. It's a good time. uh, Uh But I felt as though it could uh, wear out its welcome. Bryn, I regret to inform you, it has worn out its welcome. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, It is now... Uh, I, I'm now on episode. I just finished episode five. Uh, Time of mm. the monkey. Time of the monkey. Wait, five. Weren't you three episodes in last week? Yeah. <laughs> so four okay. was okay. The fourth episode uh, had Jonathan Darnielle from the Mountain Goats uh, and some other people, and they were in a metal band uh, that was trying to get one last hit because they're like. They they're like a washed up metal band that uh, had a hit in the eighties. They're still mm. touring on. They can like barely make you know. They they all have side jobs and whatever. Uh, they just tour once a year to like keep their name in the conversation and to like still feel the the energy of the stage and whatever. Uh, and they they hire a drummer who uh, plays them a song that he wrote, and they're like, "That's a hit," and they murder him for his song. Uh, and that episode's okay. It's not great. And then the fifth episode, Time of the Monkey, uh, is when I have officially decided that I no longer like this show. And <laughs> don't wow, really you watch don't. It you anymore. think it's bad? It was a really bad episode. And like the fact that we're five episodes in and we're still doing the exact same format now has me concerned that uh, this is just fucking going nowhere and it's just going to be like this forever. Uh, so this episode is about um, she Natasha works at a uh, at a retirement home uh she's like you know sweeping the floors and whatever at her retirement home she meets these two women who were like radicals in the 60s uh and they uh they murder uh this old guy who it turns out was their co-conspirator in the 60s who ratted them out to the police mm. uh and like she like they uh they like tell her all about like their exploits as sixties activists and like, but like leave out key details about them being like domestic terrorists. And like, uh, it turns out that like their scheme that the guy snitched on them for was that they were going to like make, uh, pipe bombs and blow up a model UN of rich kids. Um, and like, why would they, why would anyone do that? Exactly. Yeah. They, it's very obvious that like they don't really have any sort of understanding of like, they're, they're trying to do something with, like, you know, 60s radicalism, but, like, it's very obvious that whoever wrote the script, like, doesn't really 
know anything about it uh, <laughs> and like just kind of had almost like a placeholder there where they're like, well, you know, we'll come up with it later. And then like it comes to later and they're like, yeah, what if it's just really stupid? <laughs> what if it's just like, what if it's really zany comedy stuff? It's a model UN so they can have some banter back and forth about is that better or worse than the regular UN? You know, like <laughs> it, it, it's, it just was very zany and stupid and like, I don't know. It's like they had a woman, this old woman who's in a wheelchair who's paralyzed from the waist down. She like climbs up like the side of a building uh, with just her arms to like go and kill this guy. And you're like, this is getting this is getting out of hand. Like you, <laughs> a little too stretching the uh, the the belief. Yeah, and 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 not enough payoff, you know, for for your belief being stretched in that way. And again, it's like you're five episodes in now and it's like all this show is, is just, she shows up somewhere, a murder, she works there for a little while, a murder happens around her and she never even is like, Hey, it's weird that I keep just showing up to murders happening. (laughs) I'm not getting much older. So these are all seemingly within a couple days or weeks of each other. (laughs) Uh, I just solved that other murder. That's weird. Weird. What's going on? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't find that that big of a deal because it's like, you got to have an excuse to, Mm -hmm. to get an investigator in a place. Um, but that's why they're usually independent investigators, you know. Exactly, like, somebody who does this professionally, not somebody who just randomly this is happening, you know. Mm-hmm. And like, right. And, and, and it's like I said last time, murder she wrote. That's how it is. She's just around sometimes. Yeah. But it it that's an eighties show, <laughs> you know. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 you have sort of like you don't necessarily have the same implication that this is happening every couple of days because like you know in the story of poker face she like gets in trouble in vegas and she's on the run right and and one of the things that they okay every so often will use and not nearly enough for it to be interesting is that like she's being tracked by this guy who's looking for her and basically anytime she does any sort of a like any, anything that puts her out into the public off you know onto the grid she's got like three hours before the guy can be there so it's like if she like uses her debit card, for example, like the guy will be there in three hours um, or okay. like she's like she goes viral in the metal band episode for a video uh, that she that somebody films of her and she's like, wait, when did that come out? And the guy's like three hours ago. And then like she turns around and the guy is there. <laughs> <laughs> so Why like, does it work that way? Because like he's like a hitman uh, who's just super competent, and uh, he, they're tracking her, and so she just shows up somewhere. They know where she is, and they can go. That's get like her. a video game system more than mm-hmm. like a <laughs> more than a story conceit that makes any sense. Yeah, he can get anywhere in three hours. <laughs> so yeah, so I'm a little uh, I'm a little sour on it now. Uh, no longer a big fan. Um, so do you think I don't you'll know. keep watching it? No, I don't think so. I don't expect to watch the net. There is another episode. I don't really expect to watch it. Uh, How many episodes are there total? There's one more episode after this one, and then there, then I'd be up to speed with what exists. And I believe. Oh there right, are, it's not out all. Yeah, I think there's um, like two or three more episodes in this season, and then. Yeah, that's a. I always find it really weird when, I guess, liberals write about domestic terrorism or whatever like i think i was i feel like i mentioned this recently but like on ds9 i'm watching ds9 uh mm-hmm. kira is a was a freedom fighter and revolutionary for the bajorans and then they won and now they have their planet back but like everyone calls her a terrorist mm-hmm. and she like still calls herself a terrorist and like they call the the like the rebellion and the revolutionaries like terrorists because they they did things that were considered terrorism to the nazis at the time not the nazis what were they called whatever that other nazi race is space nazis yeah they're fucking snakes they like look like snake guys and they are uh, cardassians um Mm. and they and they were occupying they were imperialists and they occupied the 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 planet and then they beat them Cuba style 
and but then everyone still calls them terrorists <laughs> it doesn't make any sense it's like that's not how history works and it's like you guys know this like there's definitely like marxists in the writing room you know mm -hmm. like i just don't understand why people insist on like looking at it like that so it's like weird when it's like Look at these terrorists who just randomly do terror for some reason. Yeah, it, there's no it's political like there's, reasons. Or... It's not even like you need to have a deep understanding of this. You could literally just like spend ten minutes googling for like lesser known '60s radicals and just steal it. Just steal <laughs> yeah. what they did. What did <laughs> they <know>? do? <laughs> I mean, some of that is like also, in my personal opinion, listeners don't listen to this, but <laughs> uh, you know, like like the Sibianese Liberation Army. Like yeah. that was fake. And they they took up arms for their right to ride the Sibian. <laughs> <laughs> but like they stole quote unquote like stole Patty Hearst or whatever, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. like kidnapped a person or something like at least look at the fake things. Like yeah, I mean, even just blowing like, up a model UN full of just children. Just look I don't at get the it. fucking look at the weather underground. You're obviously modeling it off of that. So just look at the weather underground. Just be like, oh, they were gonna blow up a policeman's ball. Okay, right. what if it's a police precinct? Whatever, you know, like yeah, change it a little bit so it's your homework, and then you're I done. <laughs> you're home free. You don't have to come up with the dumbest thing you've ever thought of. <laughs> I feel like if you blew up a policeman's ball on TV now, people would be like, cool. They yeah. should do that because they should have. Like, that was cool. <laughs> um, but I don't know. The RAF, maybe? What did they do? The kidnap? The, the, what they did was cool, too. Yeah. I don't know. That's the problem, too, yeah, is that they do cool stuff. <laughs> um, so then the other thing I watched this week I wanted to talk about. Oh, okay. You got another one. I watched Top Gun Maverick. Oh, and my friends, my friends at home, my friends out there in listener land, I cannot recommend Top Gun Maverick any more <laughs> highly. Wow. What a time. What a great movie. <laughs> a great movie. Really, really, really fucking enjoyed myself a lot. And I watched now, it on my shitty TV in my living room. I can't even imagine how sick it would have been in IMAX. God damn. I recall that being one of the very first movies we ever talked about on the show. Mm -hmm back whenever it started in 2019 um and i st still have to ask you uh do i need to watch the original to get this movie no not really i think that you could you could probably come into it cold and totally get it there's a lot of like callbacky shit and whatever that you like you know, you'll like Will be miss. able to like smirk at, but like, I don't think you'd like not understand the story. <laughs> like, they're pretty clear about it at the beginning. They're like, yeah, Maverick was, uh, he was very important. They, you know what it is too, is that it's like the story of Top Gun itself, the original one, is just like, it's about a guy who's in the Navy who's really good at flying planes and they yeah. send him to a school to get better at it. That's all Top Gun's about. He just goes to the school. It's, it's all about the school, basically. <laughs> and then is there at the any end, fighting? Yeah, they do. I mean, they do fighting at the school, and then at the end, he's like on a real mission, and um, and he he does some fighting there. But like, that's not really the story. The story is the school, you know. <laughs> it's like a persona game. And so in in Top Gun Maverick, he's going back to the school to teach now. Uh, but there is a mission in this one, right? And a big part of it too is that it's like you know thirty, forty years later. So a big part of it is filling in the gaps, and so like. Most of his backstory is just explained to begin with because there's so much time between them that they need to, you know, so they're like, yeah, he's done this, this and this and like he's really important and he's uh, but like he's we don't like him. He's a dinosaur, but also he's the best we've got. And like, why don't they like him? Because he's a hot shot. He <laughs> takes too many risks. <laughs> the but first thing the you best. see him, the first thing you see him do is he's like a test pilot for new stealth, uh, you know, spy planes and they have okay. to get the thing up to Mach 10. And, but That's then they get, not like, possible, but is it? But they, then they like shut down the program that same day. And he's like, they're like, the general's on his way here now to shut down the program. And he's like, the general's not here yet. So, <laughs> they, so they like send him up in the plane. <laughs> and like the conceit is like, they're trying to make a plane that goes Mach 10. Today's okay. test is to get it to Mach 8. 
but they're shutting down the program now before, you know, finishing it. And he's like, I believe in us. I think we can get it to 10 now. And if we do, mm-hmm. maybe we'll save the program. So he like gets up into the thing before the general gets there and he flies it to Mach 10 and everyone's like, we did it. We did it. And then he's too much of a hot shot. So he's like, can it go even faster? And he like pushes it even further. And then the thing like breaks up and he has to eject. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so he so fucks he, it up. So he fucks it up. Yeah, he like ruins this like billion dollar <laughs> <stealth> <laughs> plane because he's too much of a hot shot. <laughs> well, that seems bad then. He yeah. shouldn't do that. So exactly, but but on the other hand, like you know, the big the one of the big things of the thing of the movie is that like all these young pilots who he's teaching, you know, they're great, they're really talented, but like you know there hasn't been like a dog fight in like 30 years. None of these people actually know how to fight against other fighter planes because they've never done it in real life. Uh, so he's the only one who still knows how to do it. So he has to teach them how to do it. But then he's also way more talented than them. So in the end, they're like, why don't you just do this mission? <laughs> <laughs> do you, How fast do you think Mach 10 is? I fucking, I don't know. Um, but... I will say it's it is 7,000 miles per hour. <laughs> crazy. 7,600. So the movie is fucking sick. Uh, it's thrilling. It's a great time. Is Val um, Kilmer in it? Val Kilmer is very briefly in it. He's extremely sick and dying. Uh, and he, his <laughs> oh. character dies in the movie. Um, oh, no. He's the one who's like vouching for Tom Cruise's character. Like... Uh, he's like super important in the Navy and whatever. And everybody else is like, I don't like this guy. He's always breaking stuff. Get him out of here. <laughs> and Val Kilmer's like, he no, we need him. <laughs> and then um, Val Kilmer dies. And then immediately Tom Cruise gets fired. <laughs> like it's literally like right after the funeral scene, like somebody is just like, yeah, and you're fucking done. You're out. <laughs> Get lost. <laughs> wow. Um, Sounds fun. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you know, my wife is not a big fan of this type of movie, but she gave it a shot. And by the end of it, she was like, come on, Maverick, you could do it. (laughs) (laughs) It's really that kind kind of movie movie where you're just like, by the end of it, you're like, yes, yes, go get him. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of movie is it exactly when you say this kind of movie? It's like a it's like a thriller action ride sort of thing. You know, it's like it's it's. the the stakes are very well set. Um, I would compare it to, I don't know, like a so, like some like a movie. I don't want to say Armageddon because that movie sucks, but like the kind of movie, movie where there's suck. like like a you know like the asteroids coming to the Earth and like are we gonna make it just in time? <laughs> it blows up, you know, like it's like that sort of thing where it's like you're like on the edge of your seat, like is he gonna do it? Is he gonna make the turn in time? <laughs> Is it like Avatar? I don't I like remember Avatar. Avatar well enough. All right. um, I still need to watch that movie. But um, Second one. I was really impressed by it. Uh, and like good filmmaking stuff happening too, like uh, in terms of like editing and writing and stuff of like, there's like, you know, the mission that they have to fly is like, you know, they're like, basically it's impossible. You can't do it. It can't be it's done. not allowed. But don't we're But we're going to train it and train it and train it until we maybe possibly can. Uh, but it's unlikely still to work. But they do a really good job of like showing you different iterations of training for it so okay. that like by the time it's actually happening, like you know the thing really well. You know what they have to do at each part. Mm, so yeah. like you're watching it happen and you're like, uh oh, this is the part where he's gotta pull up really hard. Is he gonna is he gonna blow it up in time to pull up? Right. So it's a bunch of fun action y sequences. Yeah, fun action stuff. Um, decent enough characters who cares really um, <laughs> who cares about that the okay characters. comedy but who cares um, mm-hmm. yeah and 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 obviously it's a movie about how Tom Cruise is going to get shot with a gun at a movie one day it's all one big <laughs> metaphor Actually, for Tom he, Cruise's life you know that's right. really what this movie is about it's like he's just going to become uh um uh, like a performance artist. You literally see him fucking, you know, he like takes off from an aircraft carrier, you know, like he's not flying it, but I mean like, you know, the the way that they film them in their airplanes, like they're in the backseat of a two seater airplane. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so most of the time they're really flying and that's pretty impressive. But like, you know, they're taking off from a regular airstrip. Like Tom Cruise actually went off of an aircraft carrier, which if you've never seen it is like the most terrifying thing in the fucking world. They're like 50 feet long. and Like you have to like, <laughs> you basically are just like slingshotting the airplane off of it. It's fucking terrifying. And you see him do it once. You think he only did it once? Does he know how to fly the plane? Like, I don't is think he so. Like, you don't think they he learned how to fly a jet? I don't think so. Um, I and I don't think like they would have let him fly it anyway because it's worth, you know, it's worth like, like a, a small country's dollars. GDP. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but he definitely, at the very least, was present in a plane that took off of a 50-foot little strip. It's pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. What did you watch this week, Bryn? This week, I watched a movie that we've talked about before. You watched it a long time ago. I, I was going to listen to this episode to remember what you said about it, mm. uh, but I forgot. Good. Um, Don't hold me to my opinions. <laughs> but I watched uh, Under the Silver Lake, mm. um, a movie by David Richard, Richard or Robert? David Robert Mitchell, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, I remember not a- liking it very much. Oh, you didn't like it. I feel like I didn't like it. I think it was really long. It's um, almost two and a half hours long. And I, uh, the things I remember are it's extremely long. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that I felt like didn't need to necessarily be in there. Um, okay. But I don't really remember what in particular. I remember Andrew Garfield uh, inexplicably gets pussy off of basically everybody he meets. Yes, that's um, true. Like, there's not a woman in the movie who doesn't fuck him at some point. <laughs> there is, but <laughs> they, he does have sex a lot. And then I just remember that it's, like, the the twist and, like, the, the kind of, like, descent into the weirdness is pretty cool. But I yes. don't really remember beyond that. So I really liked it. And I, I think that I, I'm really confused as to what people think this movie is about. Mm-hmm. Um, and what people don't like about it like i i'm having trouble understanding what people don't like about it um because it's crazy and interesting it's beautifully shot yes um it looks gorgeous the acting is really interesting and the story is crazy um this movie made this movie like set something off in my brain well it really (laughs) bombed it really really badly bombed well, it wasn't that it bombed. It like didn't come out. That's um, part of it, yes. Because I think they were just terrified of what to do with it. I think this is I, like one of those rare A24 missteps where they're just like, I don't fucking know, dude. What do we do with it? <laughs> it is really strange. Who's this um, for? What's the audience? What's happening? <laughs> I think it it has this sense. I think the most confusing thing is that it has this look about it like it's supposed to be one thing, mm-hmm. but it's deeply cynical and nihilistic um, and angry, even though it looks like a, I don't know, sort of a fun mystery vibey movie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But like what it's really talking about and what it's trying to get across is, so I, I th- watch my, my takeaway from the movie. If you haven't seen, under the silver lake and you don't want to know skip this part um i don't think i think it's probably better to read about it (laughs) and like form an opinion going in Mm. uh because it's so strange um and a little bit hard to glean exactly what it's going for um because of these things um my takeaway from the movie is that it's about it's about a guy who becomes aware of what the world around him is um, and then realizes that your choices in Hollywood, in, in Los Angeles, or, I mean, which kind of is a stand-in for everywhere else, but your choices are try to be try to get the breadcrumbs that the rich people around you are offering you 
and just enjoy that or literally be homeless and die on the street like a dog. Yeah. Like those are the options. And and this is a guy who kind of believed that he could go be something and do something but like hadn't like I really like the choice to not tell you if he was an actor or a musician or anything. He's just there like hanging around with all of those people, but he like never was really going to do anything. He just kind of felt entitled to doing it. Mhm. To like being a part of whatever the world was. But then once he realizes that there isn't anything to do, he starts to see that I, I guess the movie is like this long version of a person becoming homeless. Mm. Um, because at the end of the movie, he's homeless. He loses his apartment. He is now one of the homeless people in Los Angeles, um, which is like this really kind of quiet running theme through the movie. Um, you don't really think about it. And I feel like in 2018, people weren't as on the tip of their head that like there was a huge homeless problem in Los Angeles um until the pandemic really it wasn't like on the news or whatever yeah um but the movie is about a guy losing all of his property and not being able to do anything but like look for meaning in like songs like kind of becoming a crazy guy of a, a mentally ill person who doesn't have a home right uh like and as the story goes he becomes like more disheveled and like people just like think he stinks and stuff um but he does keep getting he does keep getting pussy does he not he does keep getting pussy um (laughs) (laughs) and that's unclear i think i think there is something i'm not really entirely sure every piece of it like every decision why it's being made but i do think like a part of the movie is that he's just a a guy who feels entitled to things Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also a running theme in the movie of like women are just literally like tools and like objects not in a sort of like feminist way but like literal objects like that are traded um, there's definitely like a little Epstein stuff going on in this movie yeah I remember um, that because the at the end of the movie it turns out all of the conspiracy is that like billionaires are killing other people to be ascended uh with three brides um and like all media around him is functionally um there to tell people how to like basically performing some sort of large ritual to ascend their souls and have their lives be better. Um, It's not for him. And they keep telling him that like, it's not for you. You can enjoy the song. Like they literally say the stuff to the camera a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really fun. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think it's really cool that they just like say the meaning of the movies to you. And I, and I, I think because I think that unless you're Kubrick, like hiding it is asking for trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't really, I feel like even though the characters are speaking to the camera, like this is what the movie's about. I feel like a lot of people just didn't understand what the movie was about. Yeah, I, mean, um, I think that part of the problem, if I'm remembering correctly, part of the problem is just like fatigue. Like by the end of the movie, you're just like, it's it's really long. It's there's a lot of wacky shit that happens. So that like by the end of it, you're like, oh, just fucking be <laughs> done. <laughs> just be over. <laughs> it's it's also I mean, I thought it was pretty funny. Uh-huh. Um, and if it's not funny to you, I think that's definitely a problem. But I was laughing a decent amount. Um, basically every time he just like commits a random act of violence that is totally unnecessary, I found Mm -hmm. pretty funny. Um, he just like beats people up and like, he's a terrible person. And I don't, I do remember a little bit of like discourse around this movie about like, 
it's a misogynist movie or something or it's like a, yeah i mean but it's I, like i don't you're not supposed to like him so it's not like it's, it's not really valuable commentary it's like saying <laughs> yeah. like this it's like saying like man tony soprano is really bad to women like i can't yeah. believe it <laughs> he's such a misogynist this movie doesn't understand it's male gaze or whatever even though like it's clearly i don't know people are really fucking stupid like I do remember seeing like male gaze, like seeing women as objects, as like a complaint about this movie, uh, and I just couldn't believe it. Like yeah, it's they like literally... very obviously like part of the message of the movie. <laughs> yeah, um, and like women's only role in this movie is to either die or be like enter the. Uh, the rich people vibe area by you know being sexual slaves to these people it's like pretty obvious what this movie is about i think um but i don't know it is really weird and i think a lot of people get confused by a couple loose threads that aren't like specifically hammered home for example they don't ever exactly say who the dog killer is or what mm -hmm. the dog killer is they don't ever specifically say um, what the owl lady is, the owl lady killer. Um, and I think that people, it. I, this is from like, I, I watched this movie with like 20 tabs open because another fun thing about it is that there are literal like hidden messages in the movie. Right. Um, there's like, uh, there's like a whole code that people still haven't solved. Um which is, you know, that's my kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> I like solving riddles and stuff. That's the kind of video games I play. So I was like solving the puzzles as I was watching the movie. Um, very fascinating stuff. I'm not really sure where that leads to because that's sort of extra to the movie. Um, but uh, besides that, I think that the movie doesn't hammer home some of the bigger questions and those are sort of left up to interpretation but besides that i think that like a movie about a guy sort of losing his grip on reality because he like sees the edges of the fake reality that he's in uh is great and then like that leads him to like losing everything he's ever had and like being completely ostracized from society and being a yeah. homeless person that I he, just, I, I, I he think previously my, hated yeah i think my memory of it is that my biggest critique was that it's just it's too fucking long it's like there's like a half hour that could have been cut off of it yeah i don't agree because i enjoyed every <laughs> single part of it i thought it was crazy and funny and interesting the whole time and i was really curious about it uh so i mean yeah i, I would watch another one i don't know <laughs> uh i i think the movie the movie has a cult following now every time you look on wikipedia or any like more recent talking about uh why robert david robert mitchell hasn't made anything else like people are like the now cult film under the silver like like i right. think people have watched it since then and sort of like i don't know what was in the water in 2018 but people were not wanting to see a movie about that uh or maybe it's just too long you know but like i think the people who it really rubs their brain the right way are found it and uh like there's a big community around it so i i um uh, i think if any of that sounds interesting if you're into the sort of weird puzzly uh ex extremely strange movies about rich people and their horrific uh behaviors uh definitely check it out i loved it i thought it was really good nice well bryn I think it's time for our feature presentation. The feature presentation. <laughs> and this week, um, of course, we are talking about Memories. 1995, Kazuhiro Otomo presents Memories. The 1995 uh, Japanese animated science fiction anthology film directed <laughs> by Kazuhiro Otomo, Tensai Okamura, and Koji Morimoto. That's right. Um... Also has uh, Satoshi Kon wrote one of the one of the three. So it's three short films. 
as released as a movie in America, at least, uh, when I tried downloading this, uh, it was three separate files. Mm-hmm. I think that some in some places, maybe in Japan, it was released as three. Yeah, separate... I watched it as three different things. Um, did you watch it in the right order or this order? Magnetic uh, Rose, yes. Think Bomb, Cannon Fodder. Um, there, there is no, um, there is no bookend. I thought that was interesting. Um, there's barely a through line to these. Um, yeah, they're just kind of sci-fi-ish. It felt like watching three episodes or like a season of Black Mirror to me. Yes. Like, yeah. Uh huh. It was because they are really distinct from one another, but they do feel vibe wise like a fit. And that's really kind of the main thing, I guess. Yeah. I think um, I think vibe is like the only thing that ties them together is that there are lots of fun space suits through most of them. Uh I think the first That's two visually are, you know, kind of similar. I see a lot of interest, like a lot of similar sure. aesthetic between the first two. I think thematically the first and the third have a lot in common. Mm-hmm. And then like, I don't know, all three of them together. I don't know. I think Black Mirror is probably the right comparison here. Yeah, sure. So uh, the movie starts with the first one is called Magnetic Rose and that one's uh, Morimoto. Um written by Satoshi Kon, um, RIP to a god. Um, and this one is a, about a salvage freighter in space. They're just like looking to pick up, they're, uh, they're doing storage wars in space. They're yeah. just looking around for trash and trying to find a big, uh, a big ship to, to sell for parts. And so they come across this huge space station uh, and tons of spaceship graveyards. Uh, it's a graveyard with of spaceships. Um, and they're like, oh my God, we hit the jackpot. For some reason, they go inside of it. Terrible mm-hmm. idea. Should have just grabbed one of the spaceships and left and came back. Um, but they go inside there and it's sort of a spa- starship Titanic type shit where it's like... Yeah, it's so cool. <laughs> I love, first of all, just right off the bat, all three of these, pretty good. This one, good. really good. I this love, one is the best I one. love Magnetic, Magnetic Rose a lot. Um, it, yeah, I've never seen really... this sort of thing before. I was trying to think of like what you would maybe call this. like, And I guess the closest I came to is like I'd call it Return Punk. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> trad Punk? Yeah, Trad Punk. <laughs> something like that. Um, it's like... It's sort of this fun mashup of sci-fi and like classical European stuff. Sure. Um, lots of big marble pillars and shit. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely like 17th century Victorian, but it's like eat, being eaten by space stuff. Yeah. It's awesome. It's, it's so, so fucking cool. sick. <laughs> <laughs> it's, this one, I you know, we'll get to the Otomo one, but like, just visually, I think this one stands like head and shoulders above yes. the rest. Um, I think Otomo's one is he's clearly trying something out. Because mm-hmm. um, you would think, you know, Otomo famous for being awesome looking, but he's trying something really different in that one. Uh, and I think this one just looks because because uh, Morimoto, I don't if you don't know, and we talked a little bit about him on the uh, Robot Carnival. He did the Franken. Franken's monster or whatever. Oh, he's the guy who's like responsible for a lot of the really interesting animation stuff in Akira, like a lot of the lighting and the, the sort of like really fluid stuff. Um, so he's like the one who doesn't really direct that much stuff on his own, um, and sort of works with Otomo closely on most of his stuff. So these are some of the only two things he's directed. Um, and they're both really cool. This one's way cooler than Franken's monster or whatever. Um, this one is amazing visually. It, it, it looks like updated, like 10 years updated Akira. Yeah. Um, so the, I really also like the characters in this one. They're very like well-drawn. 
mm-hmm. as like the Russian gruff guy, and then like the yeah, and they're they're yeah they're they're well um they're well defined. Like you kind of like right away get like it's something that isn't present in um in Cyber City Oedo that we were talking about, where like by the end of the thing, I don't really feel like I know the characters that well. I just know the one guy, like I know what they look like and that's really as best as I can do. Whereas in this, like I really feel like by the end of this, I like get all of their character types pretty well, which is pretty impressive for a 45 minute, you know, cyberpunk anime. Is it that long? Yeah. 45. Oh wow. That's a little movie. Um, yeah, I was pretty impressed by that. Like 808 is like, you think they're going to have like a, just an archetype personality where it's like, He's the like the main guy is the suave, uh, like cocky hotshot, and then the mohawk guy is the brute, uh, asshole who with a heart of gold, and then the femi guy is like a sniveling guy. <laughs> no, they're all the same guy. They're all the they're same just guy. Like, they're just literally the same guy with different looks. In this one, it works that way, but it's more than just it's more than just surface. But it they do start you off of being like. This is the hotshot, like, kind of goofy guy. This is the gruff one. And then I guess Heinz is, like, the normal guy, or, like, the sort of, like, middle ground guy. Yeah. And comparing this to, like, Robot Carnival, it's very obvious that this one has, like, a lot more money. Like, there's, like, <laughs> way oh, more yeah. shit here. I'm, like, I'm kind of watching it in, on mute as we're talking about it. And I'm, like, watching, like, the movements of like the little spaceship as it's floating through space. You can see the little thrusters kind of like pushing it left and right. And you're like, yeah, yeah, this is like something that like someone had a lot of time to work on. They had a lot (laughs) of like, they maybe had like a team of guys like helping Mm -hmm. them like work this shit out and whatever. Like there's a lot of detail here. That's not just in a drawing, you know, like it's, it's detail in the animation. It's detail in the logic that like you don't really get in robot carnival. Because yes. they didn't have the, they just didn't have the bandwidth for that. Clearly, yeah. I mean, that movie was only what, like, three years after Akira, and it mm-hmm. was like, oh wow, we have money, we can give my friends all kinds of stuff. And this one is more like ten years after Akira, and it's like, okay, we'll do a real thing. Um, so yeah, so they go into this sort of beautiful space station that looks like. You know, Victorian. I keep saying different architectural styles, and I'm sorry, I don't actually know. <laughs> I don't. Um, know. It, it looks, looks like, like Beauty and the Beast in there, Baroque yes, or whatever. There you go. It looks like Beauty and the Beast up in there. <laughs> um, and uh, so you, they basically find out that it's all kind of an illusion. Um, and there was a once famous opera singer who lived there, and I can't. I what exactly does happen? Uh, it's a little confusing because there's like ghosts and they're yeah, like seeing it, this woman. It just kind of starts to turn into a horror. You know, it, it goes yeah. from being like a fun sci-fi goofy, like let's get all this junk off of this ship and sell it to like, holy shit, there's like a baby like doll that's kind of like running around chasing him. He gets stabbed and starts hallucinating about his daughter. Um so Miguel is like the the chipper hotshot one and he is just like very quickly taken under the spell of the space station's illusions. Um Eva is the opera singer who disappeared and is ostensibly there as some sort of ghost. Um and he uh he she like kisses him and is like, "Oh, you're my fiance or whatever, Carlo. You're Carlo." And he's like, yeah, hell yeah, I am. Hell yeah, I'm <laughs> <He's> Carlo. Like, <laughs> I, I'm totally down to be Carlo if I get to kiss you. Um, so he gets really tricked. And then uh, Heinz is like still looking around. And Heinz finds like a piano that's playing the distress signal, which is like this beautiful music. The music is really good in this one. Um, but then he quickly finds out that... Um, that it's all an illusion that's sort of being created by the uh, the spaceship to keep people there, I think. Yeah. Um, and then it starts playing him his own memories of uh, his his daughter dying, basically, um, which is what I thought you might be mad about because it's pretty mm-hmm. sad. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
it's the first one we start with child death um and that one is so that's you know he's like trying to leave this place and keeps getting like drawn back by the little girl who's his real life daughter um but it's not real it's a it's a it's an illusion um but he resists and shoots the computer um and and starts it all starts collapsing on them and, and then, then they uh, don't escape right um uh, no yeah so then as the everything is collapsing he's trying to go get miguel who's still tricked and dancing in the water with <laughs> with uh eva or the illusion yeah, just absolutely nowhere to be found <laughs> it's not <laughs> helping <laughs> um yeah and uh the 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 ship the two guys who are on the ship are trying to fight the magnetic field that they're being sucked into this like ship graveyard um which like i said they should have just took one and left um and then he shoots he like takes a big cannon and shoots the uh the main computer and i guess like stops it from happening but he's just like floating in space now yeah um everything is discussed everything is broken uh and then he's just like floating in space and there's like um roses inside of his spacesuit so he's like alive but just like then it just ends which is a yeah. sad ending weird ending um but it it very feels very appropriate um so yeah. i loved that one i loved this one it's super cool it looks great uh i love the whole tone and vibe of it i thought it would have been really funny if like miguel's whole situation in the in the illusion just kept progressing where like we have the one guy kind of like going around like shooting all the stuff and like finding all the things and figuring everything out and then we keep like cutting back to Miguel and he's like getting his dick sucked. <laughs> She's like being fed grapes. Yeah. <laughs> like he's known it's an illusion the whole time but he's just like well he whatever care. man it's just gonna keep giving me stuff. <laughs> I mean like seems like kind of what happens like he, he he is there at the end but it's like I guess he's a memory or whatever. Yeah. Um, I assume everybody dies except Heinz. Um, and then I guess there's sort of a hopeful, slightly hopeful thing that Heinz might live in some sort of the stars my destination type situation. Yeah. Um. Uh, but then so that one's good. And then I was like, wow, I'm really on board with this movie. And so we go to Stink Bomb. Um, insane tone shift. Yes. Um, uh huh. <laughs> uh. So this one is also looks really good um and it's a looks little, but it's kind of similar like character designs are kind of similar right um uh, but this one is set in i guess like more modern day tokyo um and there's a guy who works in a lab assume some sort of uh government lab military lab maybe and he's sick which I thought in Japan they were much more like, don't come to work, wear a mask. Mm. Like even back then, um, I was surprised that he even like went to work or got on a train or anything. But he's got the flu and he feels like shit. And they're like, hey, we got some fucking <laughs> experimental medicine if you want to try that. And I guess he takes like the wrong one or they just told him the wrong thing. Yeah, he finds the wrong bottle and then like immediately some guy, the guy who knows what the bottle is, is like, who fucking took this? <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's like what the fuck happened um so that makes him uh develop a he, he starts emitting a deadly like chemical weapon yes um, it's it's body odor he smells and yeah. everybody keeps being like what the fuck is that smell and like yeah. but nobody can decide whether it's good or bad like some people are like it smells like cake and then some people are like <laughs> it smells like good. fucking dog shit <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then but they just immediately die. Like he takes yeah. a nap, and everyone in his whole place is dead. Um, and so he calls like an emergency number, and they're like trying to get a hold of him. Like, what happened? Like, put put the boss on the phone. He's like, everyone's fucking unconscious and dead. And so then national emergency starts happening. People are evacuating cities. It's also interesting. Uh, I don't know if this was just for um, 
I don't know if it was just for uh, the look, just because they wanted to draw it this way, but for some reason, um, like flowers start blooming around him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if they, it, it feels like they like might represent something in Japan. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, this one feels <laughs> like maybe there's some sort of metaphor that is cultural to like uh it's always like that dude i've like the new- anime is always like this where like if there's something that happens and you're like why did that happen like if you google <laughs> that plus japan it'll be like it's seen in japan as a symbol of this right exactly so i don't know what the flowers are about but it seems important um so he just like this one is sort of simple uh a lot of it is action sequences of him trying to get to safety they figure out that he's the cause um like a lot of the chief and the the u.s military gets involved and they send like people in nasa outfits uh in like space outfits to go figure it out but it's mostly just him trying to get to safety and then being like, why are they shooting missiles at me? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's really funny and like you kind of feel bad for Nobuo. Um, and uh, But he's just like riding a little Vespa and trying to get to safety. And it's sort of like a Charlie Chaplin, like Buster Keaton type thing, except with like insane anime uh, action sequences. Um, and then the NASA guys come... They try to capture him alive, um, but somehow he kills them and gets in their in their suit, and then he goes to them and being like, "Hey, I'm safe," <laughs> uh, and then he undoes the shield on the helmet, and then everyone dies again, and that's yeah. the end. So everybody's dead. <laughs> Um, that one is fun. I don't know. It wasn't that bad, but it also was just like, I think, I think I, my problem with it is that it's right before it's right. It's right after magnetic rose. Yeah. Which I was just like, Oh, so they're not all going to be fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. It looks really good. I like what it looks like. Um, the action sequences are fun. Um, like yeah, everything about sure. it is pretty good. I think yeah, you're right. It's like the biggest disservice to it is that it's following up this really cool one that you're like, like oh, you know, wow, why did nobody ever think of trad punk? Like just <laughs> all this shit that's happening in it. You're like this is so fucking sick and then like this one's like kind of just like anime and you're like, all right. Great. I mean like really good anime. Like if I if I saw it separately, I'd be like fun movie. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's just it's fine. It's not like that interesting. Um but it's cool and cute and funny and whatever. Yeah. It it's nice. It 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 I think it earns its place here, but it's just like it pales in comparison to Magnetic Rose. And then we move on to Cannon Fodder. Um this is Katsuhiro Otomo's one where you wrote and directed this one. Um this one has a very simple story told very visually and likes to spend a lot of time on sort of the gear uh this movie is like kind of wants you to be as obsessed with cannons as the city is so this one is about a little kid who lives in like a city that is just all they do is shoot stuff their whole culture is around like yeah they're like at war with a nearby city that moves it's like a moving crawling city yeah supposedly we never see it uh you don't know if that's actually true but they they gotta fire those cannons Mm -hmm. um and this one is a uh, just you know it's gonna be pretty obvious as we talk about it it's a big metaphor (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh for war and the way war warps a society um, and how profitable it is. Um, and uh, so the little kid is just like, he wants to grow up and be a cannon guy. What does he want to, what does he want to be? He wants, he to, wants be a to shoot the cannon instead yeah, of loading it. <laughs> His dad loads the cannon for a living. Right. So Not it's for just, a living. Like, I mean, it's like, it seems like it's sort of like a, uh, 
he's everyone's uh conscripted yeah you have to your whole existence is firing the guns right um so you know it's a little kid who lives in this little sort of like kowloon walled city type apartment with his parents and his dad he goes with his dad to work i guess he doesn't go to he goes to school but like they leave together and then you get to see the cannon being loaded and aimed and fired um, while the little kid is learning about the cannons at school and what we're supposed to do and why we're at war. But that's never really clear uh, who we're fighting. And then you start seeing like little references to like Nazis. Mm-hmm. Every S in this entire anime is the SS symbol. Like it has two S's. It's pretty clear what they're trying to get at here. Yeah, their gas masks kind of look like um they look like the uh plague doctors. Yeah. Um and they say uh so yeah, so they I guess at a certain point the the boy's father like fucks up and like yeah. doesn't do a safety thing and then they make him stand next to the cannon without safety gear, well, as like a punishment. Which like so yeah, like, just, like fucks him up, but like he doesn't like he's like there in the next scene, isn't he? Like he's not. Yeah, I thought it was gonna kill him or something. Yeah, but or like just burn like, him, disfigure him, or anything. Like, I think it's just scary. It's just it's just a bad punishment. Like it's too loud or something. <laughs> um, yeah, and then so it sounds like they hit it. They hit the enemy city or whatever, and then um, the kid is like, "Wow, I want to grow up and fire the cannon." And then he goes to bed, and the dad's just sad. Yeah, and, then and you see, like, like, the light outside the window where, like, clearly, like, they're being attacked again. So it's, like, it's not over. It's never going to be over, blah, blah, blah. Right. And you hear the sirens at the end, and then it's over. Um, so this one, I thought, is interesting because Otomo is, it's 1995, and he's like, what can I do with CGI? And so the way he is using cgi is all background where he like is warping paintings like that are background paintings but then moving them with cgi and then like like i think a lot of the first opening is like quote unquote one shot Mm -hmm. like he uses it to move the camera around this room that he wouldn't normally be able to do um because it's 1995 and they didn't have that kind of stuff. So it looks a little, it looks a little 1995 CGI in places, but the characters are all hand drawn. Um, so it just has kind of a weird look to it. I like uh, it. It reminds me good. of, um, it reminds me of yellow submarine. <laughs> yeah. It ha- well, and it, what's interesting is that like a lot of the characters are much more stylized than he usually like big, mm-hmm. thick, like charcoal lines on as shadows for their jackets. And, you know, it's not, it's not the sort of like obsessive line Akira style that you're used to. Um, But it's interesting. It's definitely a, an interesting swing. And I think he, intelligently picked a story that didn't need too much explaining or character development. It's like, it's a metaphorical story about how a country uses the, the concept of war to like be a profitable machine. Um, and then just like uses its citizen as cannon fodder, literally what it's called. Um, instead of trying to make sure it had to make you feel things, he like, just has it as this interesting little like commentary piece that's more about the emotional like resonance of that idea um and i think it works i liked it yeah i think um i think it's better than stink bomb not as good as magnetic rose would be my i completely agree would be my order <laughs> um i i completely agree and it's interesting though because after this he did uh steam boy mm-hmm. his only other feature um which uses a lot of these cgi concepts but just on a much bigger budget scale and it looks amazing i don't know if you've ever seen steam boy no um it's fantastic um but it's interesting that this was like a test for him um it's also steampunky in this it's literally a steampunk movie um mm-hmm. 
and this one sort of is sort of I don't know gun punk or whatever um has this sort of <laughs> steampunky influence gun um, <laughs> there's a word for it I'm pretty sure diesel punk um whatever it's uh it's a really interesting cool look and I, mm-hmm. I I agree though that this one while it's it's good and very creative it doesn't all come together as much as magnetic rose does so on the whole for me like i think my biggest issue with the movie is the sequencing yeah i think if you if you went stink bomb cannon fodder magnetic rose i would feel much i'd be like this is probably the best anime anthology i'd ever seen i'd even Um, say if you did i would do it I would do Stink Bomb, then Magnetic Rose, then Cannon Fodder. Because I like okay. Cannon Fodder to to be the ending of it. Because it's like a nice, it's shorter. It's kind of just like a nice, short, sweet little thing. That's fair. That kind of shows that there's like another, you know, there's another side to this. There's another element to it. It kind of gives you a bit of a palate cleanser from the others. Um, Really, I just think that, I don't know. I like Stink Bomb. I just think it's just kind of the odd man out here. Right. It's it's a little, it, it's tonally funny. And I think it's, I guess it like kind of works because it's like, I think having three uh, really sort of oppressive, <laughs> kind of sad stories would be a little intense. Um, and I, I think it works. I guess that's probably the reasoning where like, oh, have a little breather before cannon fodder. Um, but it is kind of long. It's similarly long. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what you would do in terms of sequencing, but I think all of these are really good. Yeah. Is my feeling. Is that like these are three, like like if this is a season of Black Mirror, I think it's a, a good, a really great season. You know? It's like I wouldn't necessarily say watch them all in order at the same time. Yeah. I don't think that experience is like, necessary or even really good you don't really it's not even beneficial yeah it's not like it's it's i would watch them in separate sittings all together probably yeah watches a show and it's great it's a really good little show um and i think it's time for another one of these i mean he does one it seems like almost every five or like 10 years it's like what was the last one uh the last one was Gosh, short piece, right? Isn't didn't they do that one in like 2013? So yeah, it's it like 10 like years it. later, we did short piece. So now it's 2023. Time for another uh, Otomo. Yeah, feature Otomo. I think it's about fucking time. Well, he's also <laughs> mate. <laughs> he's also really old at this point, but it's like 68. He's not even that old. Oh, pff, he can get off his ass. But I mean, like, he also, uh, 68, that's not that bad. Um, he has a movie that was announced, I think, three or four years ago called Orbital Sky. Um, that is like a f- another feature, his third feature that's supposed to exist at some point. Haven't heard any news about it. Um, since like 2019, 2018. Um, so that's disappointing, but I would, I hope he releases it before. I don't know. Hopefully he's got a couple more movies in him because I liked this a lot. I thought this was really good. I would recommend it is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Dude, fucking Miyazaki's Uh, 82. Get real. (laughs) Get real. You've got another fucking 13 years to be turning. Although. You'd better get to fucking work, old man. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, Miyazaki did retire. Yeah, but he was like, this is. the fuck back. Every movie he's done has been like, this is going to be my last one. Yeah. But he Um, can't stay away. He can't stop himself. (laughs) The king. I've I've heard Miyazaki has like a really weird relationship with his son where he's like, he was he's like i'm gonna like you're not as good at this as me so i'm just gonna keep doing it because you're a disappointment (laughs) uh is the is the the i don't understand japan i don't i'm not gonna make any comments on such a thing (laughs) yeah 
Oh, well, I'm not making... Goro Miyazaki. Oh. He I'm named his son anything. after fucking Goro from Mortal Kombat? <laughs> I thought it was from the... Uh, from the what, what the Gorons say in Zelda. They always say Goro. <laughs> Goro. Earwig um, and the Witch from Up on Poppy Hill. I heard from Up on... I thought people liked... No, it's so sick. His movies... Are, uh Goro's movies are really good. Mm. Like but he's just like I've I've heard he's just like it's not as good as I want it to be. And so he like keeps giving him chances, but then he's like I'm gonna You're not work doing myself right. into a grave, Goro. <laughs> <laughs> I will die in my director's chair, Goro. <laughs> because of you. Make a Goro. better movie so I can finally rest. <laughs> I, I heard he was really mad about Eorg and the Witch because it's like CGI movie or whatever. Mm. I don't know. Up on Poppy Hill is fantastic. Um, and Tales from Your Sea is also really cool. So lay off him, Hayo. <laughs> Leave him alone, Hayo. Leave Goro alone. All right. Uh, we recommend Memories. It's really yeah. good. And that's the show. Thanks so much for hanging out. Uh, this has been Generation Loss. If you'd like to hear more of our show, you can go to patreon.com slash generation loss and get bonus episodes every week where we talk about your emails. We talk about the movie news. We talk about the Sopranos or whatever else you vote for if you are on the Sopranos tier. If you're in this thing of ours and you can find all about <laughs> find out about all of that over on Patreon. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter at GenLossPod. Uh, you can hang out with us in the Discord where we will show you the movie we're going to talk about on Monday. And uh, till next time, that's, that's movies. movies.